Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network. Yes, we are back to laugh at our coverage of 24 season four. Particularly when your co-host looks like he's got a furball or something like that. <laughs> uh, we are up to the penultimate episode of season four. A fantastic episode. Episode 23, 5 a.m to 6am. It was written by Sam Montgomery and directed by John Kazar. It originally aired on May 23rd, 2005. Production number 4AFF23 for those playing at home because that's very important. And yes, I got it. You did. Well done. Congratulations. That's how I speak now. <laughs> and uh, I'm very excited to talk about this one because this is a great episode. My name is Ben and Colin, do you love Tony? Mm. Yeah. Do, do I ever? Uh, <laughs> my name is Colin, and I will not let this thing fall apart because of technical incompetence. Well, fuck, you're on the wrong show for that, my friend. Um, <laughs> why are you still being a cat? I don't get it. I don't understand what is happening right now. Um, I love this episode. This is a, a great episode of 24, the television show. Mandy is on fire. Mia Kirshner should have been nominated for a Emmy for Best guest or whatever they call it. Uh, we'll find out who robbed her of a nomination and an Emmy this year because she's fantastic in this episode. You get to see shirtless Tony. Rekha Owlsworth is amazing in this episode. We sort of got a rinse, repeat, recycle storyline from last year, but I don't care. It's fantastic. The big moment in this episode fooled me. I thought Tony died. Um, so props to John and the gang for fooling, you know, young 18-year-old Ben Waterworth uh, 18 years ago. And, fuck, that was 18 years ago. Half my life. Jesus Christ. Oh, um, <laughs> time go. And, yeah. Uh, and I actually also really like the cliffhanger, which we'll probably get over and done with pretty early because that's one I think we can breeze through. But, um, yeah, I, I'm i I'm sad that next week doesn't live up to the high point that this episode lives up to because uh, I, I said last week, this is the third best episode of the season for Ben Waterworth. Uh, yeah, this episode's incredible. And I will say I've watched next week's episode, the finale, and, um, it definitely has its place. It's just it's it's so unusual for a 24 finale. Uh, so to me, this this feels like what it was. They planned a two hour finale and you're kind of getting the best stuff here. One thing that was interesting just in listening, not, not the commentary of this episode, this one didn't have one, but listening to the commentary for the finale, they mentioned that, you know, oh, we didn't feel the need to have too big of a cliffhanger or to recap all those things we've been talking about all season about all right, so this is what happened five seconds ago. It's like, yes, I know. Or even some of the desperate cliffhangers. Um, that At this point, probably unlike the beginning of the season where they didn't know we're going to air this you know, two nights, four episodes, they knew going into this, this will be a two-hour finale. So I almost look at this as finale part A. 
Finale Part A. I like that. Yes, uh, much much better than uh, Finale Part B. Uh, just quickly looking here, uh, I don't know if we would go for either because this obviously aired in May, so I'm guessing the eligibility for Emmys that year probably would have fallen through. So I guess it would sweep through into 2006 for the Emmys that year. Patricia Clarkson uh, won it for Six Feet Under. Good for her. Um, oh, great uh, show. Was she on that show? I don't even remember. Well, she won an Emmy for it, so I'm guessing she did make some <laughs> appearance as a guest on it. This is for guest actress, so I'm sure she's like, hi, I'm Patricia Clarkson. Have an Emmy. <laughs> um, also nominated that year, Kate Burton in Grey's Anatomy. Piss off. Joanna Cassidy in Six Feet Under. Ah, oh, Swoozie Kurtz in Huff. And Christina Ricci in Grey's Anatomy. Um, so Too much Grey's. Oh, I know Swoozie Kurtz. Now I look at a picture of her. There she is. I know who she is. Um... Robbed Mia Kurt, yeah, two two Grey's Anatomy like that shouldn't be nominated for anything except the biggest pile of shit award. Um, yeah, I, I again, I remember watching this episode live, the the fooling of it. You're still, I think, buzzing on the fact that this is Mandy. I don't think they aired this as a two part finale in Australia. Although, having said that, I think I was well and truly into that. Oops, I accidentally downloaded this phase <laughs> of Twenty Four. I know I definitely did in season. Five. I don't. No, I think I watched the end of season four live on TV in Australia. So this might have been the second last episode I ever watched legally on television on Channel Seven, my former employer. So um, yeah, I don't think they aired it as a two night finale. I don't think we did that here. Did they do that in Canada? Yeah, I, at this point we were getting it uh, like simultaneously with whatever Fox was airing. Uh, I think it was on Global at this point. Uh, it was the first two seasons that were really out of sequence, and then after that the show was big enough here that we were getting it you know, completely live um, and so much promotion thrown behind it too. Now, I don't really remember sitting down and watching this. I remember the opening four episodes more than I remember these last two episodes. So maybe I didn't have the opportunity to watch this, you know, two episodes back to back, but I think it definitely does help it, you know, having just rewatched these two back to back myself, but uh, the, the Emmys, it's interesting you went over that because I, I came out of this episode thinking like, Where's Rico Aylesworth's Emmy? I yeah. mean, this is like star moment of the season for her. This this episode in particular is just incredible. Almost in all of it, because let's say this right now. This is her third ever last episode of 24. Yeah, sadly. So we're, we're, we're running out of time for Rico, uh, sadly, on this show. So, yeah, um, I you'd almost say this is her best ever performance. I mean, she did all right when she was kidnapped, uh, but uh, this is no her bleeding with the blood coming out of her nose. But um, yeah. that, uh, that's it. But no, I, I agree. I think it's fantastic. There's some great performances overall. In this Even like Keith Sutherland, do we ever have to point out that he's brilliant? But like sort of his reaction and kind of his sleuth that uh, uncovers this being a, a fake out, I think is, is really good. Cause, Damn it, Jack can't let Tony go until season five. Um, so... <laughs> If only, if only Jack's consistency with not believing Tony is dead uh, existed into next season, then perhaps Tony wouldn't turn evil. Spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> I blame Jack for season seven. Uh, <laughs> but you know what, what I'm curious about? I mean, this is kind of skipping ahead to some trivia here, but this episode, I don't know if it was this one or the next one, was supposed to be, I think it is this one, Michelle was supposed to have died in this episode. That was the original plan. And it was going to be as a result of her thinking Tony was dead and everything. Uh, she would have just Jumps committed suicide. Well, basically, I mean, they don't say exactly how it is, but she was supposed to have committed suicide. And she talked them out. She talked them out of it. She's like, I don't think this is the right end for the character. And then when we see the beginning of season five. You're like, and that's the one you were okay with? <laughs> well, 
it, in a weird, like that's kind of almost like that tragedy though. Like, I mean, I, 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 it's tricky having a major character kill themselves. That is something that, didn't they do it on House or something like that famously? Uh, there was a character that they actually implied killed themselves. Um, and I, I mean, technically on third watch, Maritza Cruz technically kills herself. She turns into a suicide bomber in the finale episode, in the finale to kill Wycliffe Jean, because who wouldn't? But she did it for heroic purposes and was awarded a Medal of Honor because that's what the NYPD she, do for suicide bombers. Uh, she George Mason. She, she basically, well, I guess George Mason technically committed suicide. But like in terms of outside of a heroic deed where you are overlooking the fact that they're killing themselves because they're doing it for the greater good. That's every time Osama bin Laden tries to explain his actions to the war crime community. Uh, the war crime community. Hi, everyone. We're the, <laughs> committed a war crime. Join our community. Um, but like, they got their own groups on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> WhatsApp messaging. I, I don't know if you would get away. Like, how do you do? Like, I, I, in a weird way, I like that because it would be tragic. Imagine her like, like no, Tony's dead. I'm going to kill myself. Da, 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 da. And then all of a sudden, next minute, Tony's alive. Uh-oh, awkward. And then you sort of end off their arc with this like deep tragedy. That would have been a very interesting way that you could bring Tony back in future seasons. But I don't know. I don't picture them going, hey, major character, have some pills. <laughs> Yeah, like I, I like that she fought for this. I mean, I think we talked, I don't even know so much about 24, but on other things about, you know, actors kind of having their say. And it's not that you bend down to whatever the actors want, but like the actors will ultimately know the characters better than any writer will, probably as well as most producers. If the producer had been there from the beginning, like, you know, a Cochran and Cernow, maybe not. But uh, the fact that she's like, this isn't the right way to do it. You know, I, I I personally like what we're going to get in season five because it yeah. lends itself more to where does the story go from here? 100%. As opposed to in this where it's like, okay, tragic end, which like you said, it would have been great television. It definitely would have bumped up, the, maybe even hold off on that until the final episode would have bumped up the the drama a little bit. But uh, but I, I still think I prefer what we eventually get. And and I think it, it's it's right the way that the I talked about Duppy and the other screenwriter in the, the last episode saying that they looked at this as like, well, this is it for Tony and Michelle. We are writing these characters out. They're kind of riding off in the sunset or sunrise uh, if they waited around next hour. Uh, and that would have been like an appropriate end for their character. I mean, somebody's got to have a nice ending on this show. Yeah, well, do they? Um, yeah, no, I agree. And I also think like in the grand scheme of things, yeah, I don't know if it would fit Michelle's character because, I mean, this is a character in this episode who literally is about to sacrifice Tony for the greater good. So in a weird way... It's her fault. And I guess maybe that's going to weigh in a moment. Like, oh, my God, like, I let him die. But, I mean, you're kind of more country over Tony, whereas Tony's sinking with his dick in season three. So um, I think we can get a couple of these out of the way because the main stuff really always connected. Hello, Jamie. Yeah, Welcome. Very important news. What is oh, your important very news. important news? What's We're happened? breaking this on the air. Okay. Why do I have a feeling it has something to do with food? Yeah. Okay. Has- <laughs> You'll be excited. <laughs> yes. So there's a place that's opening... Close to our house, right beside way back. Uh-huh. Wow. Just after my birthday. Oh. Gluten-free. Oh, look. Gluten-free someone's got burritos. a coffee. Oh. Someone's a got a cup. gluten-free burrito it's place. It's called Barburrito. They already have a McPhillips location. Oh, breaking news. Gluten-free burrito place. The one thing I miss oh. out on. Oh, this, I'm, this is better than a finale of 24. I'm so glad Jamie would interrupt our podcast to tell us <laughs> that. All our Winnipeg listeners are thrilled. Um... As as I don't know if that was Remy or Casey with a cup coming down. It was Remy. He's the loudest one. Yeah, I don't know they all look alike. Oh, he's coming back for something. What's he got? He's coming back to give us your thoughts on the finale. You got a coffee. Loudness from. Yeah. 
the what from? Who's got who's from? Loudness. Loudness. He gets the loudness from James. Yeah, well, clearly. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> Go upstairs. Uh, <laughs> you did want me to finish this in an hour, right? <laughs> yeah, but well, we need to know about gluten-free restaurants opening up down the street from Colin. <laughs> Again, this is why this show doesn't win awards. Um, so, yeah, I guess uh, everything really ties in together. So I think we can do CTU, Jack, everything all together. It's, it's really the president stuff and a bit of Audrey and then uh, this sort of whole... Uh, Cheng, um, and our our other guy, Greg. What's his name? Um, <laughs> Burn. 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 Jack Burns. Uh, <laughs> I just think of uh, Meet the Parents. So anyway, basically, um, we've got Cheng back because he was missing last week. He's still trying to find what happened at the Chinese consulate. Because remember, oh, you know, old Francois Chow got murdered. So, I love they took an hour and off to have an early breakfast too, though. Yeah, like, so none of this was in last. China's week. busy. They got shit to do. Right? <laughs> they got to call. I mean, it's very meticulous. The Chinese. They've got to make sure everything's together. So he's all like searching. Uh, we've got. Is a bill calls up Burns. You're like, hey Burns. So that whole thing about you revealing your face. Go, you hide your family. Hide the kids. Like, just get the fuck out of here. You've got China after you. It's like, oh, okay. So they've got like a helicopter waiting for him to go to San Francisco or San Diego. Is it San Francisco or San Diego? One of the San Sands. Diego. And they're all like, um, oh, we're going to make sure this is watertight. Why is Bill making that up to like Burns to do? Burns should be like, dude, like I'm scared. Why do I have to do this? Where's This is where Bill is. We're busy. We don't have any staff because clearly everyone. <laughs> like, they're all out still looking for the president and Air Force. Why they sent half their staff out there to the Mojave Desert before? Um <laughs> So he's all like, okay, yeah, sure. What about, what about my family? Where's my family? And it's like, oh, don't worry. We'll take care of them. Which I remember, I don't think we ever hear what happens to his family, do we? I think like this is no. it. No. So yeah, well, they're dead. Um, so, <laughs> but oh, plot twist. Cheng's in the car here. There's a mole in C, another mole in CTU here. We never find out who this guy is. He's like shooting other CTU agents to get him in the car. Like there's a plot line that I want to learn about. So Cheng's all basically like, hey, you... So you invaded our consulate? He's like, no, I didn't. He's like, yes, you did. He's like, no, I didn't. He's like, yes, you did. No, I didn't. How does 20 years in Siberia or whatever the Chinese equivalent is uh, on a shipping crate, no one will find you sound. All right, I did. His name is Jack Bauer. He organized this mission. Burns, weak. Terrible CTU agent. I'm glad he caves because he deserves to be like sort of evil. But the thing that is amazing about all this is that I love the plot, to, like the cliffhanger, because I love kind of the way they zoom in on his mouth and he's all like, oh, Jack I'll, I'll give it to Jack Bauer. It's almost as bad as, that's Jack Bauer from Logan <laughs> in season eight. Oh, God, it gives me shivers. Um, but I, I kind of love that. But I like, I love this carrot, that this dangles of Cheng basically going, so we will put you on a Chinese shipping container, send you off to a prison camp, where no one will even know you're missing. There'll be no way for a prison exchange. No one will even know you've gone. How does that sound? And then the writers of 24 go, hmm, bookmark that season five cliffhanger question mark. <laughs> um, so I love the fact that you hear about that now and in like 25 episodes time, that will pay off beautifully. But um, I like this. I kind of just like this. And I, as I said last week though, I kind of think, you could have killed Marwan off and kind of made this more of a thing next week because this does feel very rushed next week, I think. Like, literally next week is, hey, Marwan, we're going to do something with him. Shit, we've got 20 minutes. Fucking China. All right, Jack, what can we do with him? Hmm, fake death. Sure, in 20 minutes, that makes sense. Um, so I think if you had to build that up more 
and kind of use next week as that entirety to get rid of Jack for this. Yeah. Like that would have worked out better. So if Marlon was already done with, this would have been a much better finale. I do like this cliffhanger. I do kind of like, again, where this leads to in the future. But yeah, it's good. But there's a bit of complaints leading into next week about this. And I guess I'll just talk about the Palmer stuff as well. I've lumped both because they're short. Palmer and Logan are like, oh, no, we're going to die. Let's get contingencies in. I said last week about how this is where they say to Audrey, like, hey, Audrey, you've got 10 minutes to get casualty estimates and emergency plans for all 20 major cities in the United States. And Audrey's like, okay. Um, No one here is kind of that concerned for the fact that they've all but conceded once this whole Tony is dead plot line is gone. This is where Bill's all like, we have no other leads. There's always another lead, for fuck's sake. They're giving up right now. This is the Toy Story 3 ending where they're all holding hands going into a burning pit of fire. The USA are basically like, oh, well. And I do love Logan, though, when he basically yells at Palmer, like, this happened on your watch, David. You're terrible. I want to be like, yeah, it kind of did. Yeah. <laughs> Two nuclear bombs. I want Palmer to be like, oh, God, flashbacks, nuclear bombs going again. <laughs> Remember this for Wayne Palmer in season six. As Palmer's and nuclear bombs, not a good combination. I've probably missed a whole bunch more of the Palmer stuff there, but I really don't feel there's a lot there with, like, the Logan Palmer. This is like last week where they were like, we've got nothing to do with him this week. So this week they're like, yeah, we won't have anything to do with him. But great scene between Gregory Itzen and Dennis Haysbert when he's yelling at Palmer going, you suck. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the Chen scene, I was... Uh, not- what I remembered of the season was, okay, the Chinese find out about Jack leading to the finale. I had no memory of them catching burn or anything, but <clears throat> when I was watching the the DVD of this, that it has the deleted scenes where you have to click on the tiny 24 logo at just the right time to actually take to it, uh, it jumped to the scene. So I assumed that this entire thing was a deleted scene, but uh, I guess it was in the episode. It might've just been a slightly extended deleted scene that we had with a little bit more dialogue with burn or something. But I mean, it's a really good scene and, you know, you pretty much know as soon as this guy's in the car, okay, he's going to give up Jack. But I don't think that uh, the audience was necessarily thinking at this point this would be that much of a storyline. You know, maybe it's going to be something that has to happen in the background where they have to pull Jack out of the field. But this is the first time, I would say, in the history of 24 that they're planning next season while the current season is going on. Like, obviously, we have cliffhanger. Like, the, the season two cliffhanger was meant to lead into a different season three and everything. But you know, Nina, yeah, she, there's crossover from season one to season two. But this is several episodes where they're starting to build something. And the audience probably, and I was probably part of that audience back in 2005, whenever this was airing, that was just assuming, oh, this will tie itself up next week. And then it doesn't. And I think that's the best thing about it. Is that, and I guess it, it ties up to a point where you're like, oh, I guess they've taken care of that for now. But you know it's going somewhere else. But it definitely would have been a surprise, I would think, for people to be like, wait, like there's more to this. N- what's going to happen to Jack now? They're not just going to, you know, brush this thing under the rug. And that's, I think, the issue with not having killed off Marwan is that at this point you're going, huh, but wait, Marwan's still out there. They're not going to let him get away unless, yeah. you know, they're going to let him come back. And it's sort of, you know, we've got this whole nuclear bomb storyline. I-, I think that, yeah, like wrap Marwan up a week ago, stop the nuclear bomb this week, and then next week you, you fully focus. Mm-hmm purely on that it's i mean it's it's kind of season two in a way that like all you all the stakes are in season two is yeah sure a war but like it's kind of we just need to get this recording we need to get evidence from old tobin bell or whatever it was that mm-hmm. this is a recording so like season two doesn't have the highest stakes that season one and season three well even even season one i guess you would argue didn't really have high stakes so at that point it was more about hey we've got to catch nina and save jack's family this isn't stopping a nuclear bomb yeah. stopping a virus even next season is a uh, it's high stakes 
on the fact that you're trying to prove somebody's evil, that's kind of the stakes you're getting that. But I mean, I think, yeah, wrap the nuclear bomb up, wrap Marwan up, and then next week purely just be about Jack getting away from the Chinese. Because I think this is this is one you bring back. Like season five has some issues where they will have storylines that you think have gone away, but they just come back randomly. And you're like, huh, they're still doing that? What? Like, haven't we, haven't we moved on from that? So that's where, you know, very little criticisms about season five, but there are some. And I think that this is one of those ones where this would have worked. This would have been the whole, oh, that's still there. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Versus a, we've still got a nuclear bomb to get. We've still got Marwan to get. And you're still all of a sudden dangling this Chinese thing in front of us. Because that is a problem yeah. with next week. It is very rushed and all over the place. Versus, I think, the three previous finales we've had so far to this point are pretty concise and pretty well-rounded. Not to jump too far ahead, because I'll definitely have a lot of opinions on this next week. But, I mean, next week, to me, plays out like a modern-day finale, which yeah. Game of Thrones kind of you know changed the way that television finales would be, which is exactly what we're talking about. You wrap things up kind of in the penultimate episode, and the next one, it's like, oh, there's this one, one last seed that we planted, and this is what's going to come of it. Um, but the problem is, because you still hold some of that Marwan stuff over, and interesting thing on the commentary for next week, which I'll just get out of the way now, is that they talked about, I would have guessed that they talked about doing that, just doing away with the Marwan plot, because we know that Marwan was to have died, what, last week or whatever, or the, the week prior, two weeks ago now. So he would have died in episode, what, 22, uh, 21, 22? Yeah. Um, but even in the finale, the original plan was that opening sequence, the missile's taken care of, and then you focus the entire episode on it. So I think they were toying with the idea of doing that. But again, television hadn't quite reached the point where People didn't have the expectation you wrap things up in the finale. And they, they probably were a little bit afraid, even though it's all on one night, they're probably a little bit afraid of, will we hold those viewers for hour number two if we do this? And actually, one thing that is interesting about 24 is that we talked a little bit last week about should they bring this show back? Do they need to? And generally, for the most part, shows that get brought back always cannot live up. I mean, the unique thing about when they brought 24 back the first time, it was only like four seasons removed from when it mm -hmm. ended. So it wasn't like they brought this 10 years back. And 24 to me is a rarity in the fact that the, the overall finale at the end of season eight isn't a bad finale. Like, I don't think, you you know, it's not like a Game of Thrones or a How I Met Your Mother finale where people sort of talk down on it. It's not a beloved finale, but it's it's a satisfying finale, I think, that mm -hmm. they did at the end of season eight. The beauty thing of season nine is I think they had that opportunity where they took a fairly satisfying finale and made it a fucking brilliant finale. I'm, I'm saying this right now. The finale of Live Another Day may or may not be in my top 10 greatest episodes of 24. I think it is a fantastic way that the actual Jack Bauer storyline ends better when they brought it back. And that might be so a are, controversial opinion because I know a lot of people, like the Will and Grace finale, for example, like the, the original one was so much better than the new one. And like certain times you get a TV show and when they reboot it, you're like, oh, that finale, I'll go with the original finale. No, I'm on board of the canon of Live Another Day season nine ended 24 better than season eight did in its original run. Oh, yeah. See, that's what I was uh, wondering about, whether you were talking about how season eight did it versus season nine. Because I think that se season eight, and we'll get there in a couple of years, but uh, that wasn't the plan. It was sort of, it came down like a couple of weeks beforehand. Listen, mm. this is going to be the last season, so they have to kind of change. It was meant to be a cliffhanger. And all things considered, I think the season eight finale really does pull it off. But yeah, but yeah live another day is like the proper ending that I think you deserve. 100%. One thing to just... Not legacy. Fuck legacy. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a spinoff more than... <laughs> I that that is the next Karate Kid of the uh, <laughs> that's the Hillary Swank one of the twenty. That's the Rise of Skywalker versus the Return Rise of, of the Skywalker. Jedi. <laughs> <laughs>
But uh, just one quick thing to add on the, the Palmer Logan thing. Like you talk about that that scene where Logan's just basically yelling at Palmer. And again, he has a point. Like this is the one time he I does. think where Logan's completely right because he says to him, you failed me and you failed this country. And I really was trying to pick that apart. I even wrote in my notes, did he actually fail? And I thought, I'm like, well, he didn't necessarily fail. He just, he didn't make matters better and he infinitely made them worse. So then <laughs> he could simply say, you failed me and you've made this situation a whole lot worse, which which is actually like Logan's actually going easy on him by saying you failed me in this country. But I, I love that Dennis Haysbert's reaction to that. It's like you could read it two ways. And I, this is great. Anytime they do this on 24, where you'll have an actor and you look at the one way and you're like, oh, he's playing it like I'm biting my tongue. But this guy just doesn't know what he's talking about. And then you, you look at him another way and you're like, oh, he knows he's right. And he's like, how am I going to get out of this? He's just he's a little bit more experienced to realize like I did screw this up, but we still have a chance from here. It's kind of like in a superhero movie where like man of steel, you know, Superman saves the world from Zod, but like at the end of the day, he also destroyed half of Metropolis. So it's kind yeah, of like the consequences. Yeah. Of Dennis Haysbert has come in and I guess technically through his actions will help stop this nuclear bomb. But at the same time, he's kind of just inadvertently started a war with China. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Cause like, <laughs> At this point in the story, they're no closer to finding it. They have fewer leads, and the only person who potentially could have actually helped them going forward, they now basically have to turn over to the Chinese. So they have less leads than they did when Palmer came in, and they have the issue with China on the side. Yeah, and uh, a stroke of Jack Bauer, luck and genius, will kind of help them next week. But speaking of the man, the myth, the legend, uh, Raker, I mean Jack Bauer, uh, <laughs> Um, so basically, yeah, all of this will tie in right now. So Jack's outside the apartment complex. Tony's been kidnapped. So they're, they're essentially trying to work out where uh, this has uh, gone about. So uh, old Greg Sestro is dead. We've got Mandy, who's uh, got old shirtless naked Tony here because, you know, she's got to be a bit sexual. It's Mia Kirshner. I just want to see Mia Kirshner playing like a housewife in the suburbs. Like, I swear, every time I've seen her, she's she's sultry and seductive. And, like, you know, I mean, I'm not complaining. Oh. But, like, it's just she's always just this type of character. She's always kind of like the ho- – like, even when she's being evil and amazing, she's got to remove someone's shirt. She's got to get naked. Like, she's got to, like, go and flirt with some neighbors. Like, I just wanted to be like, hi, I'm Mia Kirscher and I'm evil. It, it, you you uh, you really do have to watch her Hanukkah Hallmark film. <laughs> you get a little bit of a different side of her. But, you know, it's funny because after the last episode, I'm like – I definitely know that I had seen her in something before 24 and the, there was a movie it bombed, but I actually thought it was pretty good. A movie with John Travolta and Dustin Hoffman called Mad City. Did you ever see that? Or Never heard it? of it. Never heard of it. It's basically John Travolta. It, he he holds a museum and a bunch of children museum hostage. And Mia Kirshner is kind of working like as a young reporter or producer underneath Dustin Hoffman, who's like the big experienced media guy. And she sort of starts out as like the innocent person, but then by the end of the movie, turns into spoiler i mean sh- she basically becomes like i'm the crooked journalist and I- i'm i'm the one who loses Fucking my all ethics so yeah I, I, who who got the idea to cast this woman in a hallmark movie about hanukkah that's what i'm more fascinated with is it like you know how certain actors are typecast like i mean what you did your ranking of liam neeson movies oh his action movies, action yeah. movies. Does John Travolta just hold things hostage? Like, what was it? He wasn't he <laughs> yeah. the Pelham of one, two, three. Wasn't he the yeah, person who took that Pelham. swordfish? White. Ma- well, there was white a uh, movie, White Man's Burden, where he held his boss hostage uh-huh. too. Yeah. Yeah, like I mean, sword. Uh, not swordfish. Sorry, face off. He hold a face hostage. Nicholas Cage's body <laughs> hostage. Um, I mean, yeah. why don't people talk about jo- Battlefield Earth? He held movie industry hostage. Um, 
Greece, he held our hearts hostage. I mean, like, come on. <laughs> Rest in peace, Libby. Um, but I'm glad he got his. I'm glad he got her name right at the Oscars. What was that one he did like years ago in Deezer My Adele or whatever it was? Yeah, did Adina Menzel is like Adele Kazim or something? <laughs> oh, John. Um, but anyway, so yeah, Jack, uh, Mia Kirsten, Mandy's got Tony naked and hostage. And I got Carlos Bernard doesn't do much acting in this episode, but I do love kind of just Carlos Bernard with the hanky in his mouth. And it's like, oh, I'm going to win an Emmy for this. <laughs> but then I do love like Mandy. This is what Jen would be doing with him if he stayed at home today. <laughs> exactly. I do love Mandy's just jumped on Google to type in Tony Almeida. And then he's got these news. Is this really like LA Times? Dot com articles in 2005. I've, I've froze frame it here. I love the caption underneath Tony being taken away. Counter-terrorist agent Tony Almeida is taken into custody by FBI, not the FBI, but by FBI after compromising a hostage situation. That's the uh, that's the caption there. And then underneath um, the that, there's a picture of Michelle, which just looks like a set photo taken on 24 of Rako Ellsworth. CTU Los Angeles agent Michelle Desler is present during the arrest of her husband, former CTU agent Anthony Almeida. Um, why are they called him Tony in the one above and then Anthony? I mean, this is present at his arrest. She's just like staring like, like on the set. But so she's basically done a bit of Google searching like, hmm. So this is what you did. You got charged for treason. Maybe your wife will do the same. Like, okay, rinse, repeat, recycle. But as we said, this works really well. So as always- How does he know they're together still? Or how does she know they're together? I don't know. I want Tony to be like, yeah, that bitch left me. I'm with Jen now. Call yeah, exactly. <laughs> She's like, these two just look like a hot young couple that were there. I also love Mia because she's almost like Lara Croft look here. She's got like the gun holster on a thigh and she's got like the skirt and the high boots. Like Mia Kirshner, good Lara Croft. She would have been a good one. I don't think Ben's watching Mandy and he just hit a puberty for the second time. <laughs> oh, Jesus, it's, it's great. But um, so this is where we kind of get that plot dangling about Marwan I mentioned last week. It doesn't really go anywhere. It's just like, hey, Marwan, I'm running late. And Marwan's yeah. like, well, hey, you better hurry up and get here for those terrorist reasons. Uh, <laughs> so it's like, okay. So she's all like, mm, got a bit of a problem. Just having a bondage session. So she's all like, hmm, what can I do? What can I do? Oh, well, I just happened to have Michelle Dessler's personal number. Diddly did, did, did. Hi, is that Michelle Dessler? I've got your personal number. Um, so she basically says to Michelle, like, hey, Michelle, so remember that time that your husband or now ex or whatever the hell you are did things and he got charged for treason? Well, let's test you to see if you'll do the same. She's like, well, how do I know you really have him? Here's a dick pic of him. Like, sends him a... <laughs> Doesn't that bring you back memories of the mid-2000s when you would send dick... I mean, pictures on um, our phones of the quality? Because yeah, you know I did that all the time. <laughs> I've never sent a dick pic in my life. What are you talking about? Um, I sent three to Colin last night. Like, Colin, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? <laughs> um, so Michelle's all like, no, no, not Tony. And she's all like, you move your men. Because sexist, there are no women who work for CTU apparently back in 2005. It's like, no, I can't do that. I'm Michelle Dessler. I'm a good woman. It's like, well, Tony will be. That's like a Tom Cruise. I can't do that. I'm Michelle Dessler. <laughs> <laughs> that's what she does. She serves her country. She's on the V3 on the Razor, by the way, real 2005 phone. Uh, but I mean, this is where like both Mia Kirshner and Rachel Ellsworth are fantastic. Because like just this way that Mia Kirshner plays this off. She's just kind of like, well, Tony might die then. Awkward. She's like, no, no, no. Let me do it. Let me do it. And she's like. Well, I want you to tell me how many men are there right now. Oh, I need to look downstairs. You're stalling, Michelle. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. You're stalling, Michelle. Tony said, oh, there's 20. 
Like, it's kind of just like the way that works. They're back and forth. And then Rekha Elizabeth here, the way she's just kind of like, oh, shit, what do I do? What do I do? Goes off at Edgar. Like, the video phone's back. Like, Edgar, send me the the current uh, list of people. Do you want an update? Just do it, Edgar. And I love Edgar's look. I'm like, mm, bitch. Um, so she gets a set. And then basically Michelle is just contemplating, like, what should she do here? Like, should she do it? Should she not do it? Should she basically move the men so she can let uh, Mandy escape? Or should she do the right thing? Because this is, again, this is where this storyline, the recycling of it works. Because you've got that conflict of, shit, I did this, like, I was on the other end of this, and this is what happened. What do I do? This is where, again, as I said last week, when a couple of seasons of time, when Jack fucking invades the Russian embassy, it doesn't work. Because it's not like Jack standing outside going, hmm, I did this last time. And I spent 18 months in a Chinese prison. Ah, fuck it, it's Russia. Uh, like, it just, it just, it doesn't make sense when there's no, I guess, consequences for somebody doing the same thing. It's just brushed over in the future. This time, there's legitimate consequences. And what happens here when Raker Owlsworth sort of discovers this, like, when Bill comes into the office, Bill's all like, so I've got those numbers and all those people, they're going to die in this nuclear attack, lol. And then she's just basically like, I can't do this. And I want Bill to be like, what? Stop a nuclear bomb? <laughs> <laughs> and Michelle's like, no, I can't do it. The terrorist contacted me. Oh, I can't do it. I was nearly going to do it. I don't want to commit treason. I can't go to jail. I'm pretty. Look at me. Uh, <laughs> selfish, Michelle. Uh, so through all of this, they basically continue to fool Mandy to think that Michelle's going to go ahead and move all the men. Jack, meanwhile, has been yelling at Bill. I need more men, damn it. It's like, no, they're all busy. Send me Curtis. Well, he's not busy now. Uh, so but Curtis and my man, and my man. So he's on the phone to LAPD complaining that he wants more men. Um, I also do love the. I fact- want more men. I also love like the bits with Rekha Ellsworth. Before- Muscular, beefy, <laughs> no mustaches. That's not manly. <laughs> uh, none of this long-haired man bun crap. Fuck off. Um, and no emos. It's two thousand and five. No emos. Uh, stop listening to my Just chemical Just give me romance. Brendan Fraser. That's all I want. Who was a manly man in 2005? Brendan Fraser. What a man. Um, Ryan Felipe. He was hot back then, wasn't he? Uh, <laughs> Josh Hartnett. Give me Josh Hartnett. Get him on the give line. Me Josh Hartnett. That's a man's man in 2005. Uh, Eric Banner was still a man's man back then. He still yeah, is. But like, a man. Back then. Um, but also between when Michelle's told Bill, I love her kind of like panicking like, we need more man. We need more time. Damn it, damn it, damn it. Like Michelle's like, like shitting herself. Um, and through all of this, they're basically going to plan uh, the men to go to full Mandy. And then we kind of get, I remember watching this going like, what's this got to do with anything? When like Mich- uh, Mandy knocks out Tony to go to a neighbor's like, hey, neighbors, can I have a cup of sugar? <laughs> it's like 5.30 a.m. and they're up. Uh, of course they are. Well, we said that last week. Everybody should be up. Yeah, but I, but like this is the thing which is so good about Mia Kirshner. She's gone from like being evil, like he will die, he will die, to like, hey, neighborinos. Like, and I just kind of like this play where she's like, hey, Jenny, is Frank in? And it's all like, oh, you know, uh, I can get him. What is this about? Oh, I'll tell him. No, no, tell me that. No, it's fine. I just need to talk to Frank. Frank walks in. Hey, Mandy. Bang. And like shoots him. And then these two are panicking. You're like going, why has she just got and killed a neighbor? Like, there's no logic behind this, which I think works beautifully into this twist. So I might just go and cap it there because then I yes. think I'll kind of end it sort of with the second half of this. So if there's anything else I've sort of missed through Jack and City, because Jack's stuff really doesn't, I might feel, to the second half of this. Yeah. I, I mean, first, just right before uh, Mandy calls Michelle, 
there's this back and forth thing that Bill and Michelle are doing where they're both on separate phone calls. Mm. And again, the way it's shot where it's like you're hearing one side and then the other person's talking like, again, very energetic, very fast paced. And it just immediately dumps you into like the tension of the situation because we really have gone through this so many times like, oh, no, now there's a nuke. Now there's a missile. Now it's Air Force One. Uh, little things like that actually really help. Uh, but uh, what I love is like when Mandy's basically calling Michelle and she's giving her like, these are the choices. Like, this is the thing I said on a rewatch. It is so much more obvious that they're trying to replay season three, even though they, I mean, they come right out and they say, this is what happened last time, but you see how they built it over the last couple episodes, you know? And also the whole parallel with like Jack and Audrey's relationship. Like it's so telegraphed what they're doing, but it really does work. And in a weird way, it works better knowing how this turns out yeah. than watching it the first time around, which I love. Um, and, and Bill coming in, one of many times from now until the end of next week's episode where Michelle is sad and Bill's like, so you don't got a husband anymore, right? <laughs> that, was the, that was what was really standing between us. I mean, <laughs> remember I mean that whole single, thing about that thing between my legs that I wanted you to do things to? to <laughs> Maybe when this is all over, we can go to a movie or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, Bill's totally trying to move in on her. But but like, this is what we, we talked to James Morrison, what, like a year, two years ago. And we we mentioned how he came in as this is the next Chappelle, the next Mason. You you want to hate this guy. And then when they throw in this thing with, with him and Michelle and you put Tony in the middle, you want to hate him more, but like you don't hate him. And I don't know whether, you know, that was all intentional, whether they designed it. I mean, I, I know one of the commentaries recently, they were talking about how good James Morrison was and how he brought this likability that they didn't necessarily plan. So, I mean, you you have a scene like this now, and we kind of joke, yeah, he's trying to move it on Michelle, but you already know this is just like, oh, he's he's there for her. This is like her one friend. You know, he is her Chloe, the way that Chloe is mm. Jack's Chloe. This is Michelle's Chloe, and it works so well in it, and sadly, we're not going to get that much more of it, but I, I do love all the scenes that these two have together uh, from this weekend, next week. Um, but also, it, it kind of puts a different perspective as well when you look at you know what happened with Tony last year and what's happening with Michelle this time? Tony didn't have a bill last year. He didn't have anybody to talk him down and be like, He was Bill. This isn't the smart thing to do. He exactly. He was Bill. And Michelle having that extra person play off of is what you know weighs on her decision, which even Tony says later on, even Jack says later on, like, that's the right call. <laughs> Tony did make the wrong call. So we talked about again, that last just, year, didn't we? We we yeah. 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 yeah like when we see this replayed, it's very different, but like you don't fault Michelle at all. Um but yeah, like I, I I love the scene here. Like Rika Ellsworth, she is so good in this episode. Like I would go as far as to say I put her in this episode up there with some of the best actors we've ever seen on 24. And I wouldn't necessarily say she was always the best. She's always good, but she's she's like a female Carlos Bernard. You know, you're not going to get Emmy clips out of her. But like this is an Emmy clip. Last week we got Emmy clips. It's just fantastic. Um, one thing just to comment on the whole Mandy thing. Uh, there is an extended scene which really adds nothing when she's doing her Google search on Tony. It's just longer and she's reading more and more facts about him, which is just totally unnecessary. <laughs> like the uh, Cubs but, has a flavor but, saver. <laughs> but when she she goes into the neighbor's house, first thing is the guy, the first guy she shoots, I don't remember his name is, you called him Frank, but I was watching this while I was on the treadmill. So I was more at a distance and I'm like, that's Buzz from Home Alone. Like oh. 100% convinced it was Buzz from Home Alone. Now I looked it up, it's not, oh. but like, this guy is a dead ringer, like dead, dead ringer. And I mean, the actor who plays Buzz in Home Alone, you know, he, he, you, you can see him like even in the more recent Home Alone movies. Like, this is what he looks like. So, so it's not just oh, this guy looks like, but he would have been the right age for what the actor was at the time. We already had a Home Alone actor earlier, but like, 
go back and look at this guy. This is Buzz. <laughs> I just got such a kick out of it thinking that Buzz just got shot by Mandy. But uh, you you mentioned how you like you don't know like what is she doing with these people. Another deleted scene, the only full deleted scene that there is in this episode, uh, basically spoils what her plan is. And the reason they cut it is because there would have been no suspense about, oh, is Tony alive or dead? After the, You know he's dead without it. With the other scene, what she does is she shoots the one guy, takes the other two into the room. They see Tony tied to a chair or, or unconscious on the ground, and she holds the gun up to the guy and says, take off your clothes. Uh, <laughs> give me your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle. <laughs> but... Like that, that's all you get of it, but it's enough that I'm like, as soon as I saw that deleted scene, I'm like, oh, this probably would, it, it's cool to see that's what her plan is and know that they filmed it, but it definitely would have ruined any suspense later on for what happens. I'm glad they didn't show it. I think, yeah, the, I think what happens here is, is much better. You mentioned about sort of potential Emmy. I will correct myself just going, because I, I was going to look who was nominated for supporting actress that year in the Emmys. And obviously it, this must have been eligible still in 2005 because you look at the 2006 Best Supporting Actress category, um, Jean Smart was actually nominated for 24. So obviously, you know, for the next season. So I'm just going to backtrack before I get to that. So 2005, the guest actress was still, it was won by Amanda Plummer for Law & Order SVU. And I don't know if I've got that sound effect somewhere still, but it's, it's there. But uh, dun dun. Um, Jill Clayburgh for Nip Tuck, Bobby Broderick. Uh, I don't know. She was fine in that episode, but I don't know. Just, just Jill Clayburgh, right? You automatically get an Emmy nomination. Uh, Swoozie Kurtz again for half. What is this half? Um, Angela Lansbury for two Law and Orders. She got nominated twice for two different Law and Orders for SVU dun, dun, and Trial by Jury. So the esteemed Angela Lansbury, Murder She Wrote. Well, she was on Law and Order. And the esteemed Cloris Leckman for Joan of Arcadia. Uh, but for supporting actress that year, Blythe Danner for Huff. Okay, Huff. Stop. Like, what is Huff? Uh, you've muted yourself, Boomer. And, and I can't find the unmute. Uh, I looked it up. Huff is uh, the Hank Azaria show. Uh, so I do remember as soon as I saw Hank Azaria, he's like a psychiatrist or whatever. I know I had a friend who was like a big fan of Huff and said, you should check this out. It's a great show. I just never got around it. But like, it was short-lived. It ran for only two seasons. Well, Blythe Danner, uh, we talked about meeting the parents. There she is. Uh, Stockard Channing for the West Wing. Uh, Tyne Daly. Oh, my Tyne for judging Amy. Oh, robbed. Uh, Sandra O for Grey's Anatomy and CCH Pounder, one of the best names in Hollywood. For the shield, uh, what a name! Is it CCH or? Ch- I just always say, I don't, uh, well, maybe it is Ch-ch-ch. Ch- ch- but like, I don't know. Like, whenever I would see that name, I always go, like, "Who's Ch-? I just love the fact that she's just such a badass. That like, her, so her name <laughs> is Carol Christine Hilaria Pounder. Like, she's just like, I could just be Carol Pounder. I could be Christine Pounder. I could be Hilar- no. I like all of my names. Fuck it. I'm gonna be CCH. <laughs> like, what a badass! I love that woman. She's so good. Uh, Hilaria would have worked. Hilaria Pounder. Ah, you're Hilaria. Also, you mentioned Chloe. Uh, since killing someone, Chloe's just disappeared. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Where is Chloe? What's she doing? Well, is it this episode or the next one where she gets what Audrey should be doing, like the the projections of the missile? I think it, it might have even been last week. Uh, the the projections of the missile is like, and when this thing crashes or when this thing detonates, it will take out however much of Los Angeles. I mean, you just Googled that. I mean, what... Audrey needs what ten minutes to do this. Now I'm less impressed with Audrey. I think it's next week because we don't know it's LA yet. So I mean that's, oh, that's yeah. and that's another issue with this nuclear bomb storyline. It's kind of like yeah, I, I get the whole like twist of like oh we don't know where it's going to hit, but like they don't live up to that enough in this episode. Again, we are like mm-hmm. an hour and a half away from a major city in the US being destroyed. But they're like I love all this Tony and Michelle uh, and Mandy stuff. Don't get me wrong, but like 
they should be like, well, fuck, like an hour and a half. Like de- de- these are the windows that are closing. Like it, it would be over the Atlantic right now. So it's not going to be on the East Coast. So fuck, it should be on the West Coast right now. San Diego, you know, Seattle, like Oregon, Portland, Vancouver. Like again, poor Canada's not in the uh, equations here. <laughs> like again, I just love they're sitting there going, LA, LA. Oh, it's not going there. What's that flash in the distance? We're getting reports Vancouver has been destroyed by a nuclear bomb. Oh, only Canada. Move on. <laughs> Manitoba? <laughs> Regina? Uh, oh, is that that's you improved Keeper's it. hometown? I think that's Kiefer's hometown, isn't it? Uh, I know he sort of he did a song uh, when I saw him about going back to Saskatchewan because when his mum died, so he's I think he is from Saskatchewan because that's going back to Saskatchewan. The fact that he managed to get Saskatchewan in a song lyric was pretty good. Um, so there we've seen Mandy, the neighbors. Neighbors. <laughs> you know what? I, 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 oh, I here we go again. Watching, <laughs> watching Neighbors. That theme song is so bad, but so good at the same it time. Is iconic, like, Colin. That is one is, of the greatest songs ever. I, the funny thing is I'm watching these episodes and I'm like, okay, when is the song going to come up? When's it going to come up? And it's one of these things where I'm like, it is so terrible, but I love it. Everybody needs good neighbors <laughs> with a little understand. You should watch the Home and Away one. That's always, you, you, was it, you know, I be, we belong together. You and I forever and ever, no matter where we are. You're my guiding star. <laughs> From the very first moment I saw you. <laughs> Never felt so emotion. Oh, it's so good. Closer uh, can, we do a, can we do a battle? Home and battle away. between like Degrassi themes versus Australian soap opera themes. What is themes. the Degrassi one? Well, you know what the funny thing is? The, the the original Degrassi theme is the most iconic, but I always draw a blank on it. When I hear it, I'm like, that's it. But I know the 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 next generation yeah. one's really popular. Whatever it takes, I know I will make it through. Yeah, because that was the only one Great I ever song. watched. That's the only one I ever I've watched. I've got that song. I, I actually played that on one of the marathons I ran. I'm like, <laughs> I'm starting it off with the Degrassi theme. I used to like, my, when I was like a kid in primary and high school, like that the memories back then was like, you would always end up like, because you were bored, right? You were sick or whatever. So like the, the kids shows would end at like midday. So then you'd be like, fuck. And if, if it wasn't a certain period of the year, you wouldn't really have a midday movie. That was only usually the school holidays. So you always get stuck watching Days of Our Lives. And like, but it was one of those ones that I just always got into it, like as like a 12 year old, because you'd miss it for six months and you'd get back into it, like Hope and Bo, what are they up to? But what was like the, their theme song? They don't even have lyrics in America. It's just like, dun, dun, dun. Isn't that like, sand through the hourglass one? But like, yeah. just, that's all they say. It's like, so it's sad through the hourglass. These are the days of our lives. And it goes, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> And then the, the narrator guy comes in again and goes, like, sad through the hourglass. <laughs> we know, John. And dun, dun, dun. and I think the Young and the Restless, I think, was that. Dun, dun. And you had, like, the little tiles of each of them turning at the camera slowly. Um, and then I never I never got into Passions because that was on Super Late, but I know there was that little fucking Timmy doll. Didn't you, we talked about him in an episode? You're like, yeah. hey, this guy was in, like, some... He was on the Grinch. He was the Grinch. He was baby Grinch. Grinch. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and because I think what made Passions, I think, get a little bit more of a cult following was that I think it was Spike in Buffy used to watch Passions. So they would always joke about Passions in Buffy. So then I think, therefore, it got a bit of a, you know, the Buffy fans started watching Passions. It is. We need to do something like on a soap opera one point because, like, this is the beauty about soap operas. They don't give a shit of how crap they are. They know what they are. And, like, they are so bad that they're good. Like, that's the beauty yeah. of soap operas. That's Neighbours, Home and Away. Like, does Canada, well, like, see, Degrassi, I guess. But do you have, like, a more of an adult soap opera? Like, have you ever no, had one? not really. I mean, we had, like, Canadian dramas that have, like, ensemble casting. Because I guess there's two types of soap operas. There's American soap operas, and then there's 
uh, I guess it would be the British style of soap opera, which is like Coronation Street or Emmerdale. Yeah. Uh, the Canadians one was probably close to that, but there was none that really ever aired as a daily thing. Like, because I guess Neighbors at Home Away were like daily shows. And they're pro- they? and the, yeah, we don't, and like, I guess, I, I don't, I'm pretty sure the UK air theirs at night too, don't they? Like, obviously, America at their mm-hmm. daytime. Oh, is- like here in Canada, I, I, I was shocked to find out, like, I knew it was big back in like the 90s, but coronation street still airs in prime time in canada and mm. it's one of the top 10 rated shows every week wow. this is a show that's been on the air for who knows how long i don't know i think it airs on cable here i can never remember seeing coronation street or the other ones on on free to air here but i mean that's that that's why like say neighbors and home and away are also as big as that because like neighbors peak neighbors in 80s when i'm talking kylie jason donovan getting married biggest moment in australian tv history what made that even bigger was the fact that it's also basically the biggest moment in UK history. Like they, that's why Kylie Minogue got so famous is because she was bigger in the UK than she was in Australia. Cause that late eighties, early nineties period of the golden age of Australian soap operas was UK love. And that's why neighbors got canceled because the UK channel that aired it basically funded neighbors channel 10 in Australia didn't really pay for it. They got the money from the UK network. And when the UK network, like last year was like, yeah, we're not going to show neighbors anymore. Australia couldn't afford to make their own show anymore. So they were like, Mm. fuck. So that's why they've got a streaming platform. And the famous story about neighbors and this is a great history lesson, by the way, neighbors started on my former employee channel seven in like 85, 86 only ran for like a season or two. And they were like, nah, this isn't going to work out. So they canceled it before channel 10 swept in. I'm like, Oh, we'll take it. Then it became huge. And then channel seven were like, fuck, we fucked up there. Let's start our own Uh, home and away. So like, basically that's why home and away got created. And I think Home and Away holds a record because the main, there's a guy in that show, uh, the character's Alf Stewart. Look up Alf Stewart memes, Colin. You won't get them, but they're hilarious. Played by the esteemed Raymar, who has been on that show since the very beginning. And I think he literally holds the world record for longest continuous run by a character on a television show in the world. Um, so, yep. and he's a legend. Like he is just, he'll never leave that show because he's Raymar and he's an icon. We promise we will get back 24 in a minute. But there is a show I remembered, and this is now available streaming in Canada. It lasted for like three years, but I guess you would classify it more like soap opera because it was aired daily, but it was a show called Train 48 Hmm. here in Canada. And it it was a very cool concept because every episode would just be commuters on the train. A half hour episode would all be done in real time. It was just the same characters. You'd have like a revolving door of characters, but let's say there's 12 people and every episode would have seven or eight of them on. And then you have, you know, some of them the next day, people coming home from work, just talking and like, Oh, Hey, how was your day at work today? But they would Sounds shoot thrilling. this thing. Like, well, but no, what's, <laughs> what was cool is that they would shoot this thing the day of. So if something big happened, like nine, I don't remember who's on with nine 11, let's just say nine 11 happened. You would tune into train 48 that night and they would be talking about it. And the actors would basically be improvising. Like they'd be given mm. like, this is your loose script. We want you to improvise it. They still had things on there. Like somebody got shot on the train once, you know, and, you know, things like that. People had affairs, but uh, on the train, the bathroom. Wow. Yeah, on the train. But it was, it was actually a very cool show. But yeah, I remember that one. That was good. But yeah. Anyways, 24. Soap opera month coming soon. Um, <laughs> so through all of this, um, CT obviously know what is happening here. And then they're going to, Mandy sees she's got a safe pack, passage. All the men have been moved. <laughs> this is a safe package. Safe. Well, she would. <laughs> um, so watch the L word. You'll see it. Um, so. They're then watching and they see basically this guy. This is where it's raining. I mentioned a few weeks ago about the rain, like when they were down at the mm-hmm. docks. The only time in 24 it ever rains. And I fucking love this. I love rain. Like, it's great. So, uh, chubby rain. Like chubby this. rain. Gotcha, sucker. <laughs> um, so, they're there and they see that um, what we think is Mandy. We've got a woman in an umbrella and a guy walking to a car. 
and she's on the phone basically to Michelle going like, oh, once I get in the car, like uh, we will, you know, get out on our safe passage away. Thanks, Michelle, for being a service to the terrorists. And then as I get to the car, we sort of, uh, Bill accidentally sends the men in too early or somebody does. And Jack's like, no, 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 don't, not yet, not yet. And then I love this like moment where you got Mandy. I see your men, Michelle. You lied, you bitch. You're not going to take me alive. <laughs> and yeah. boom, explosion. Rayco out there, no! Like, oh my God. Even Jack, like sort of reaction. This is, again, I remember watching this live going like, oh! And this, this wasn't really a period of 24. Like we'd had the silent clock. What, I think three times to this moment, four times to this moment. But it was never really an established, like this is what it means. Uh, I don't really think that was a season five thing around Tony in that season that the controversy came. Yeah, that's when people started talking about, wait, what does this mean? So this is why I think like on hindsight, watching this, there's no silent clock after this explosion. So it's kind of like, well, it's obvious that he's not dead. But this, again, wasn't necessarily a confirmed, this is what this means, his character is dead moment. So I, I don't know if you remember watching this live, but I for one, and but this is a 24 thing. You could have killed Tony in this scene. And that would have yeah. been like a great way of doing it. Um, so, yeah, I, I was absolutely, no pun intended, blown away. Um, and I've marked it down as a possible top five moment. But, yeah, so basically from this moment, uh, this is where we've got the whole Toy Story 3. Well, oh, we're all fucked. Everyone evacuate the cities, get this, get that, do this, do that. And then the thing that I think really works about this is it's, it's not like you straight away get Jack going like, damn it, this isn't true. Like you've kind of got mm-hmm. like a five minute period here of everybody's defeated of like it's morning. Yeah. It's mo- like, and it works. And I will say we get a damn it from Jack this week. We got one last week. So we're up to 16 for the season. Um, and then we eventually cut back to Jack who's in the car and he's just watching it. <laughs> Run for it, Marty. Ah! Like he's- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh no, they found me. I don't know how they found me. Run for it, Marty. Run for it, Marty. <laughs> somebody needs to connect that in there um, but like Jack's obviously rewinding this going like you lied to me bitch boom and then Curtis is basically going like Jack fucking get over it mate Tony's dead and Jack's like no this doesn't make sense like she she wanted to get away there's no reason why she'd kill herself even Bill's like damn it Jack we've, we've lost we can't win them all girl um, but like Jack just like it, and it doesn't want to give up and then we sort of get this like moment of brilliance from Keeper Sutherland when he realizes that she's done a fake out because she's listening to the audio. She can't hear the rain. This little smirk that Kiefer does because he's got this like he's, he's all upset. He's worried. And then all of a sudden he just does this little smirk. And then Curtis, I think, looks at him and is like, what is it? He's like, there's no rain. You can't hear the rain in the background. She faked out. This is a fake. Mm-hmm. And then like, boom, it's like, tick, 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 tick. Like, let's get to it. And then this is where you eventually will cut to seeing Mandy in the room and then this is where you realize like the neighbors because she says to tony like well my hopefully my neighbors wouldn't (laughs) hopefully my neighbors everybody needs good neighbors didn't die for nothing tony um so then she's all like come on let's go brilliant plan i love this like this is what makes Mm. mandy such a great character this is a fantastic plan and again the audience we don't know. This is a great fake out. Fanta- one, of the, yeah. one of, if not the best fake out we've maybe had in all of 24 to this point. Because I think everybody was fooled watching this. Um, so then she's all like, all right, let's go. Tony, who has not uttered a word all episode, I don't think, cuts his foot on a piece of broken whatever it is. Did we see that broken before? And then so he's all, you know, limpy old Tony uh, leaving the blood. And this kind of leads to uh, eventually Jack catches up with them. They get... Uh, 
24 loves a good shootout in a parking lot, don't they? This is just their go-to, isn't it? Um, and then we get this great standoff where, like, Mandy's holding the gun to Tony's head. It's like, are you really going to stare your uh, friend in the eye while I kill him? And Jack's just like, yes. And then yeah. I, I love just this like, little moment of silence. Mandy's like, I believe you. Uh, what's stopping me from killing him right now? Like, it's a great standoff. And Mia Kirster and Kiva Sutherland, don't talk about freaking chemistry next week. Oh, uh, <laughs> there's an OnlyFans I think we'd pay to see. Um, and then Curtis comes out of nowhere. I'm sneaking around in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Although there was a Curtis line in this episode where he's like, it's raining pretty hard, Jack. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he comes in, judo chops Mandy, and uh, Mandy's taken into custody. Um, I love it. It's so good. Uh, this just this whole kind of cat and mouse sort of tension. And again, the fact that as an audience, we don't know. We think Tony's dead. And then I, I missed the part where like Raker Ellsworth's in the car. And, like, Bill sort of rings up, like, hey, Michelle, so you're a dead husband. Have you killed yourself yet? Good, because Tony is alive. And, like, she's just in the car, so defeated, so broken, because Bill sent her home, by the way, so he can go and have a slip of one later on. But then, uh, like, Tony, hey, Michelle, I'm alive. What? And then it's sort of, like, end of the episode. All great stuff. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Was this in the episode, the Bill and Jack conversation after they think Tony's dead? Yes. It was like a phone call. Yeah, this okay. is that bit what I mentioned where he's like, you know, like, let it go, Jack. Let it go. Move yeah. On. Yeah. Like, I, I, again, that's the morning scene that, like, you don't usually get with Jack. Um, I, I don't remember how I, whether I bought that he was actually dead here. I mean, I could see how effective it is now. When you watch it, knowing that he's not dead, you could see a few dead giveaways. The bed, dead giveaway being, like you said, Tony has said nothing. And you feel like if they're going to write a character out, knowing enough about 24, you know, now that we're re-watching this however many years later and have seen all the future seasons, you know, they're not going to not give Tony like one final moment. But the way that this is handled, like the audience is completely in the dark. You don't know what's going on. And even if you do think, oh, well, maybe Mandy got away. You're not thinking Mandy and Tony got away at this point. Mm. Uh, that thing with the neighbors, they, uh, it, it was it was done so like so long ago in this episode that like it, it was, you know, several scenes ago. Casey's very unhappy with it. Uh, but but uh, yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, like I think the audience for the most part has already forgotten the whole neighbors thing. Uh, but uh, it, it is it is done very well. And uh, I, I remember, of course, that, you know, they do figure out that like, oh, he's not actually dead, but I'm watching the footage, not remembering what the, the, the tip off is to Jack. And it's funny. I read the trivia on this uh, as, as like a goof, they say, but Jack picks apart the rain and I'm watching the scene as he's watching it over and over again. And I'm like, so what's the giveaway here? And I'm like, oh, you don't hear the car door slam. And I'm picking apart the car doors slamming. And obviously when they say the rain, I'm like, oh yeah, that too. But really there's two things you could have used here because you don't see the car door or you don't hear the car door. And you don't hear the rain. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's done so well with Jack watching it over and over again. And, and Curtis, let it go. Now, poking a plot hole in here, though. We're going to... Jack, I ordered you to be redeployed. We're pulling all our teams out. You are now officially out of all leads. This is where you say she's left something inside. Which apartment? Let's at least look at what apartment she was in. There could be, I don't know, something written on a napkin. A witness <laughs> that saw something. The idea that they're willing to pull out of here. And even, I, I guess, to make Mandy look a little bit more foolish. Um, I, I don't want to say foolish, because I agree with you. Like, her plan is actually way more thought out and more plausible that this could work than the spur-of-the-moment plan that they're going to come up with next week to get them out of the China mess, uh, which is sort of like, wow, where did that come from in yeah. the last five minutes? Yeah. Uh, this does make sense. But at the same time, you got to wonder, 
why is Mandy just assuming, hey, they're not going to bother to come in here to look for whatever intel I may have left behind? Yeah, I mean, definitely a plot hole. But at the same time, I think her whole thing here is just she wants to escape and maybe she hasn't left anything behind because we don't yeah. really see this as a plot thread that but I mean, they go in. From, but from her perspective, she's got to know they're going to be looking for something. They're, they're going to leave, even if it's just a, a regular LAPD guy here, she's not just going to be able to walk out of here, especially knowing that like what we know She's got to be on a helicopter in a couple minutes. Yeah, but Although I saw Saunders escape from that freaking thing last season, and he managed to do that. So you yeah, know, well, I mean, she also did get hand, away but... from like killing the, trying to get kill the president with the pizza thing and walked around the corner. So I think, yeah. and she also blob like she's done this a few times, Colin. I think she's probably pretty okay yeah. about that. But I mean, <laughs> you're either questioning her logic and thinking this plan's going to work, or you're questioning CG logic because Bill does say, "Well, everybody's leaving. There's no need to be there anymore." It's like, yes, there is. There's very big reason to be there. You have no leads. And again, you got to chase down something. If you are out of leads, like it's like you know, if there's a a mass murder and the guy or the girl it doesn't be sexist, mass murderers can be women too. Like kill themselves. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Like if you know they kill themselves, it's not like police go, well, he did our work for us. Oh well, clean up the bodies and we'll just move on. They still investigate yeah. it. They still like yeah, you exactly. know see how it happened and everything. So you know, but. I will say I have uh, you had the the other scene marked on. I've got this as one of my potential top fives. Which one? Yeah, the, uh, the Mandy capture, like the whole like the right. Jack and her with the guns. T- Tony, the especially the back and forth that you get between Jack and Mandy with, uh, you know, can you honestly look in my eyes and tell me that you're going to pull the trigger? And he's like, yes. And then her going's like, but you won't kill me. Interesting, you know, like it, it's just oh, it's so good. This is, I mean, let's be honest, we haven't besides the. Um, the Paul death a couple of weeks ago in the Air Force One crowd. We haven't had a lot of top five moments this season. It's been... I know. I've got like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I've got eight on my list so far going into the finale. And one of them is the hay kill. So, yeah, we, <laughs> I, I think it's going to be an easier one to decide. Uh, you, what was um, what was the one on Breaking Bad? I, I, I By the time I there was, was a few listening on Breaking to it... Bad. Well, the, uh, we, you, had, you had top 25, but, uh, but the, there was one you guys referenced that... Um, was probably in an early season where I guess either he talked you into one or you talked him into it. And then one of you regretted being talked into it, but it ended up making your top 25 somehow ranked higher. Yeah. Ma- vaguely rings a bell, but I couldn't remember off the top of my head. Um, yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe this would be something where, you know, we'll, we'll, one of us can talk the other one into, Hey, being in our top well, five. I'm literally <laughs> just quickly flicking through my notes. Uh, there's one top five moment in the premiere. There's yeah. two potentially in episode uh, one in episode, and they're, but they're kind of weaker Maybe moments. Seven or eight here. Then they're not like the the standout ones for me are obviously Air Force One goes down and Paul's death. They're like the easy yeah. ones. But outside of that, like this could be very over because even in the finale, even I mean even like the closing moments, you would technically argue should be a top five. But I mean at the end of the day, it's not that strong of a season cliffhanger that mm-hmm. it, it could not make it. So yeah, I think that. I mean, it's still flicking through these. There's barely any after season episode six. I can't see any. I feel there's there's at least. I think there's one we'll definitely agree on. That I might I only have, have five in total. So we might, yeah, yeah. That, there's. I I think that there's. I I could predict right now four that will probably make our top five. The fifth is like completely up in the air. I have six, right now. Wow, I've got more than you. So that's Audrey. But and do you Hel- have hey. Or I don't think I do. I got Audrey. And, <laughs> I'm the same now because they're quick. Audrey and Hella getting kidnapped at the end of the first episode. Yeah. I've got episode six. I've got Jack storming the compound and then killing the um the guy, the terrorist guy. Um, mm-hmm. I've got Tony's reappearance at the end of episode seven. 
Uh, and then basically from there, I don't have anything until Air Force One goes down. Then I've got Paul's death and then I've got Tony's fake out death. So I've got like very few. Um, we'll have a few up for debate then in two weeks. For a, for a great season. Um, it's interesting that there's like few and far between moments when it comes to and that. That's, that's kind of what we mentioned last week when we were going through the rankings. Like we don't have that many like top 20 episodes this season or mm. definitely not as many top 10s as we had in the first three seasons. But yet all around, it is just, it's a blast to watch. Like there's not nearly as many, wow, that was a terrible, and the terrible episodes you have are at least fun, terrible. Yeah. And that's, and they, and they pick themselves up, uh, you mm-hmm. know, sort of that middle period they pick themselves up. Whereas, yeah, like even as I keep saying next season, there's at least one, is there two bins next season? No, there's one next season. No, there are, there are two bins to me next season and two rents. Everything else is a buy. That's how strong next season is. 20 buys I have next season. Whereas when you get to season six, basically as soon as you start binning episodes, it just falls off a cliff. There's like two episodes. You're like, oh, it's getting better. No, it's getting shit again. And then season seven just happens and it's rubbish. Um, and whatever. The point is um, there's plenty of interesting things. This time next season, the penultimate episode of season five is a bin to me. So I'm just saying that right now. Uh, so that's, that's controversial. But anyway, anything else to add on this episode? If I look at the trivia here, um, no, I thought I saw some trivia here, but uh, when Howard Byrne arrives in San Diego, Cheng Zhi is already waiting for him. This is odd because Byrne had left CTU before Cheng and went to San Diego by helicopter, while Cheng was presumably going there by car. They got a fast car. They're Chinese. They got good technology. He's Britney Spears in the engine. Um, <laughs> I, I see one here that Tony falls on a lamp. I guess this is what cuts his foot—a lamp he falls on uh, when Mandy tasers him. But then the next time you see him, the lamp's gone. Well, this is the the number one trivia I wanted. Mandy and Gary's apartment number is 202. <laughs> Shari, Jaws, and Ian. There's Shari, Jaws, and Ian. That's who they are. Apartment number is 205. Mandy and Tony hide out in apartment 208. There's 24 trivia for you. We should do a 24 trivia game at the end of all this. Get Kiefer on, John, all the things. Um, in season four, episode 23, what number apartment does Shari, Jaws, and Ian live in? <laughs> you know what? I, I looked up Jaws. This is Buzz, or the guy that I thought was Buzz. When you see the picture, you're like, ah, I think it might not be him. But yet it says played by unknown actor. So oh, maybe it is. There he is. Unknown actors is in a lot buzz? of things. I love category roles by unknown actors. <laughs> Alan York, the body. Angela, the baby. Ah! Uh, Johnson, <laughs> Johnson, J3, Jaws, Jen Hansen. There she is. Oh, that's um uh, next season. I think it's around the Connie Britton storyline. Paul, CTU card, Alicia Heller, and Thompson. Day nine. Oh, Thompson. Jen Hansen. Jen Hansen was a daughter of Air Force pilot John Hansen and Dory Hansen. Her younger brother was Nathan. Oh, Nathan. Oh, she was in this season. She looks like a little bitch. Uh- <laughs> oh, this is yeah the um, uh, the pilot guy. Yeah. Yeah. And whereas Paul CTU guard was in season one. Why did he get a name? But why does a character get a name but not a, like the actor? Like Paul's what? <laughs> Paul's on CTU Wiki going ah. Oh? me and like he has the blurriest picture i've ever seen like somebody actually couldn't even get a proper screen grab of this guy that it looks like he's i don't know a bigfoot in the wilderness like some fuzzy picture i also love thompson on day nine it's just like some random soldier i think that was around the um john boyega episode so uh anyway i'm buying this episode uh definitely a buy of this episode for me i'm guessing you are doing el samo sure am sure Um, am and 
what is uh, your ranking of this? You said that this was um, your second highest ranked third, of the season? Third highest of the season. Um, I will tell you when this wants to let me open it. So maybe you should go first just quickly while this is loading. So, uh, this is my, a bitch. it's my fourth highest of the season. I have episode 15, episode 6, and episode 20 higher than this. Um, but yet this still comes in at number 16 overall for me. So actually, I do have quite a few top 20 episodes. I have one, two, three, four, five, six. I got seven out of my top 20 are from season four, but yet only two in my top 10 and one's barely holding on to my top 10. So the the, the sweet spot for season four to me is 16 to 20 because that makes up four out of my top 20. Well, I have this at 13th, one spot ahead of the uh, campers episode. Um, and one, oh, that was great. one spot below the midway point of season one. So yeah, at, at this point in time, I have got five episodes in my top 20 and two in my top five, actually. But again, on the grand scheme of things, no season four episode will make my top 10. And on the grand scheme of things, this episode finishes 27th overall after 216 episodes of 24. So it still makes the top 30, makes the top 50. Um, so, yeah, but um, I, next week does not make my uh, top 20. I, I am now down to only two season two episodes in my top 20 and only one in my top 10. Me too. Yeah, so season two is definitely taking a hit. Yeah, again, season two does not even remotely come close to the top 10 for me overall. 15th is the highest, and I think that's a nuclear bomb episode. So um, mm -hmm. there we go. Again, a season six episode makes the top 10 at my end of list. So, <laughs> you know, uh, season seven, I think, remotely doesn't even make the top 50. Uh, the highest season seven episode I have on my list is 64. So... <laughs> Ah, oh, season seven. Uh, but next week, it's the finale. Again, like I've, I've mentioned it plenty of times, but it's not the best finale. Overall, I think this is the, if you're not counting Legacy, uh, this is the second worst finale of the original nine season run or the original eight season run plus nine. Um, I think only season seven's finale is worse. <laughs> um, season six finale is better than season four finale. Uh, just saying it right now. Um, so yeah, it's... It's not a bad... I'm not binning it. It's still a buy, but it's just... I think we talked about season three at the time being a bit of a letdown of a finale because we were expecting this massive twist and it was just Jack having a cry, but obviously in hindsight, we fucking love that finale. Season two, we've talked about that. Season one, obviously, to me, the greatest episode of 24 of all time. I, I think next week just it's rushed. You've got sort of three things you're kind of having to deal with. You've got Marwan, the nuclear bomb, and China. And it does feel very rushed. And the big cliffhanger, like, I remember watching this live being a bit like, oh, fuck, what are they going to do now? But on a rewatch, it's so rushed. They come up with this sort of cliffhanger in like 10 minutes, I think. And again, I see what they're trying to do. I'm not going to complain about what they're trying to do because I like it on paper, but it's just, it's rushed. It's so rushed and it loses its emotional impact of how rushed it is. So not the greatest finale that we will ever get of 24. And it's a shame given that this has been a very solid season, but uh, still plenty of stuff to to talk about next week. I think the things to get most excited about next week is particularly one scene between Logan and Palmer. Oh, hell yeah. Which is like amazing. Yeah. Uh, and and really the, the last act of next week's episode is great. It's just, you do see a lot of like, I wouldn't call it plot holes, but you want to talk about rushing, you know, yeah, the Marwan thing is really, the wrap-up to Marwan's very rushed, but then the wrap-up to Jack's story is even more rushed to the point where when it happens, you're like, how is any of this actually possible, you know? So it's the implausibility, I think, of 
next week's episode that uh, that maybe lessens it, but uh, still, it's it's an all around solid episode. And um, after that, we get to move on to season five, bigger and better. Oh, season five, episode one. What's your overall number one episode? Is it still the finale? It currently, is Chappelle's. Oh, no, Chappelle's death. I mean, look, the conversation will happen in a couple of weeks' time over the premiere episode of season five of that potentially being the greatest episode of 24 of all time. That's always in the conversation. Uh, generally, to me, there are three that always get talked about. It is the finale of season one, the premiere of season five, and the midway episode of season five. They're kind of the three that often are regarded as the three best episodes in the history of 24. Like, obviously, Chappelle's death, not to take away from it, but, I, you know, often in the top five, but, yeah. I, I don't I don't know exactly which the midway one was, but I'm thinking about the events in season five, and I think I pinpointed. I think I'll tell it to you off air. You as soon as I say it, you're like, yeah, that's what I was thinking of. But like, I mean, God, like, let's just say this right now, and we're jumping ahead of ourselves. But like, I think we all remember where we were in the premiere of season five, and just being like, yeah. holy fuck, did they just do what they did? Uh, and they did. Um, so in the first ten minutes, yeah, <laughs> that doesn't even say the rest. Of the it's episode. insane, like what they actually do. And Connie Britton is in it. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Connie Britton, Connie Britton, and Gene Smart as well. Yay, Gene Smart. Um, that's in a couple of weeks. Still got a finale to do. Like, subscribe, do all the regular stuff. Australia versus Canada month begins this week. Tomorrow, when the war began, it's a great movie. Colin, you haven't watched it at the time of recording this. Are you pumped to see an Australian blockbuster? Sort of. I yeah, I am. Uh, it's it's the the red dawn of Australia. Basically, um, is, yeah. But, you told me there was a TV series as well as a movie, right? Or is the, or is it edited? Out of no, the no. So they did a TV. We'll talk about it in the episode, but I think it was how many years later. Basically, they they ended up making a TV series of it because the the plans for a sequels and that fell through. But um, look, the movie's better than the TV series was good. They just added plots that didn't need adding to it. They overstretched parts in the book that are left ambiguous for reasons. And so they decided, hmm, we could explore that. I'm like, no, you don't need to. That's why the books and the story is good. So anyway, uh, the movie we're doing, not the TV. I think TV series only went for like six episodes though. So yeah, anyway, that's soon. All that stuff. Do all the stuff. All that jazz. I don't know why I got that stuff in my head. Uh, my name is Ben and I really don't. I'm going to remain presidential. Not very quotable episodes recently. Yeah, my name is Unknown Act. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time.
Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. (laughs)